Well, it's a blessing I told uh, Brother John and I were talking about the uh, program. I told him we was going to have a presenter and a preacher each night. So our preacher for tonight, Brother Daniel Holmes, missionary to the Ukraine. Come ahead, Brother Daniel. Blessing to have him here and him and his family here with us. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm chapter 96. Psalm chapter 96. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, uh, we will have the opportunity, Lord willing, to talk to you tomorrow, my wife and I, about uh, our field. We are missionaries uh, serving in the country of Ukraine. Uh, we ori- originally didn't start out in Ukraine. We started off in Russia. But the long story short of that is we were arrested, deported, and blacklisted from that country. And so, uh, anyways, it's, it's funny. Uh, there's, a, I think, a Russian flag right here, if I, if I read that right. But uh, we, we love uh, Russia. We love Russians. Uh, we have a heart for Russian-speaking people. My whole family, we speak the language freely. And uh, uh, we, when we were in that time of trying to figure out what God would have us to do next, um, God laid uh, Ukraine on our heart and our church, and we started praying about it. We, went, we ended up going to Ukraine, and uh, we've been in Ukraine ever since. And we were in Ukraine until we got a call uh, from my pastor saying, get out. <laughs> I said, how, how, how much time do we have? And he said, uh, I thought maybe he'd give us a, a few days or a week or so to, to evacuate. And he said, today. And uh, so we evacuated in less than 24 hours after that phone call. And uh, I told all of our people, I said, this is all a false alarm. We'll be back in two to three weeks. And uh, as you know, the um, Russia attacked Ukraine and the area. We're going to talk a little bit about this tomorrow. But the area that we minister in was hit very hard. And it looks like there's going to be another attack in the Kiev area in the coming few weeks or possibly months. They're even talking about nuclear attacks, things like that. So we definitely really appreciate your prayers during this time. Most of our people are scattered abroad. Uh, All of the people, uh, all of our young families, uh, the husbands took their wives to the border of Ukraine and said goodbye because the men that are 18 to 60 years old cannot leave the country unless they have a special exemption. And so they had to say goodbye to their families. They've been without their families for seven months now. Can you imagine that? And uh, anyways, very tough time for a lot of people in Ukraine. Please keep them in your prayers. Uh, but tonight, uh, we, uh, my, my, oppor- my, jo- my job tonight is to preach the word. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the main thing. I think the, the first message of this missions conference, I think for us to get our footing, for us to understand what God's will is, I think uh, we should talk about the main thing. You know, you probably heard the phrase, we need to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Uh, now, I'm not a cowboy. Uh, one of the things that um, my, my, my kids, uh, my, my son got his first pair of cowboy boots here recently. So he'd be like, he's going to be like Brother, Brother Hudson. He's going to wear cowboy boots all the time. In fact, we, we were in Ukraine. I noticed that our kids were very European. They didn't know any American culture and stuff like that. We've been outside of the country for so long. And we'll be missionaries. Uh, we, we, we started deputation in May of 2013, went to the field less than two years after that. We were in Russia for a couple of years. And then we were in between Russia and Ukraine. We were home for a year. And then we were in Ukraine for four years until about seven months ago, whenever we left. But uh, I noticed our kids were, were very European. They didn't have a lot of American culture. So I, I started uh, introducing them to old, like black and white Westerns. 
especially the old like 30s John Wayne movies and stuff like that, and uh, trying to give them some American culture and stuff like that. And uh, uh, my oldest son, Luca, he has taken, taken it, grabbed that bull by the horns, and his dream is to soon own a cowboy hat and a full cowboy get-up, right? And so I told, I told all the grandparents that uh, we need to get together and, and organize our Christmas presents. Maybe we can get, them, get that worked out for Christmas. But anyways, so uh, I'm not a cowboy, but uh, I, I, um, I have watched them on TV. And uh, I, I do know that a lot of times when, you, when you're dealing with horses, especially work horses or race horses, a lot of times they put blinders on these horses. Now, what is the reason, what is the purpose for these blinders? Well, horses are a prey animal by nature. And so they have, they have eyes on the side of their head. And the, the purpose of that is so they're always alert and they're always paying attention to what's going on around them. Now, that's really good if you want to stay alive, if you're a horse out by yourself on the prairie. But it's a really bad thing if you're trying to motivate the horse to do the task that you have the horse for, right? And so a lot of times when we're working with a horse or when we're racing with a horse, we put blinders on the horse so he's only focused on the task ahead of them. And you know what? I think for us, many of us, we're like these horses. And uh, Satan is really good at distracting us, getting us focused on what is not the main thing. And before we know it, we're, we're way off, way off the beaten path, way off where we need to go. And, and I think uh, the goal of this message this morning is to get those blinders back on, uh, to focus back again on why we were created. Now, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it, uh, answer it in, in, you know, to yourself. But why were you created? Why did God create you? What is your purpose in life? In fact, this is one of those things that they used to talk about all the time. In fact, Baptists in, back in the 17th century, they, they came up with um, uh, a way to teach their, their kids Bible doctrine, and they would do it with, with a, a question and answer form. Uh, and basically, the second, the second uh, question and answer that they, would, that they would teach their kids, second question is, what is the chief end of man? What is the main purpose? Why did God create us? And the kids would answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You were created to glorify God. That is your purpose. That is why God has created you. That is why God has saved you. And that is exactly why God has left you here on this earth to serve him. You are here to glorify God. You are not here for self-realization. As a lot of people say today, you are here for the sole purpose of glorifying God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God. If you are not glorifying God, you are not living according to your purpose and you will not have a fulfilling life in Christ. In fact, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 it says whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to what? The glory of God. A Christian can, not does, can do everything to the glory of God. We can eat and drink to the glory of God. Whatever we do, you can drive to work to the glory of God. Raise your children to the glory of God. Wash dishes to the glory of God. If you do it in a way that, that is honoring and glorifying to God, if you do it in a way uh, as the Bible has, has taught us, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Do it with a good attitude, realizing that God, is, God has given us responsibilities. We're doing what God has called us to do. When we do that, 
with the right attitude. We're doing it to the glory of God. What does the word glory mean? Uh, that word glory is a word that we throw around all the time. I think a lot of us, uh, we would have a difficulty defining what that word actually means. But basically, we find that when we study the Bible, we find that glorifying God means to acknowledge His greatness and to give Him honor by praising and worshiping Him. To glorify God means to acknowledge His greatness and to honor and glorify Him by praising and worshiping Him. Uh, primarily because He and He alone deserves to be praised, honor, honored, and worshipped. God's glory is the essence of His nature. He is glorious. And we are to give Him glory by recognizing that essence. Now the Psalms, uh, as we all know, uh, mo- most of us know, are, were the hymn book of the first churches. They would actually sing what we're reading uh, today. And, And this was known as the missionary hymn of the Old Testament. The missionary hymn of the Old Testament. So read with me, if you will. In fact, could you please stand with me uh, out of honor to the reading of the Word of God? We'll pray, and then you can sit right back down. Psalm chapter 96, we'll read the whole chapter. It says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house this evening, uh, this faithful church. Lord, I pray that you would bless them this evening with the pre- through the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you would clear my mind, give me the ability to faithfully articulate what you want these people to hear this evening. Lord, have free course amongst us. Be honored and glorified in how we listen and apply this sermon to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. So we want to answer the question. If we know that we were created for the purpose of glorifying God, we need to answer the, ask the question and then answer the question. How can we glorify God? How can we glorify God? In fact, I see ten ways we can glorify God in this very short text. So let's look at how we can glorify God. First way, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. The very first way that we can glorify God is by singing a new song. So what are you guys doing with these old dusty hymn books? 
Get the praise team. Get the new songs, right? Uh, get the, the you know, smoke and mirrors and, and, and light, lights and stuff like that. Because we can only sing new songs. And then the question is, once we sing that new song, then we got, if it's is a new song from 2022 or, or is it 2021, is that still a new song? You know, obviously we understand that singing a new song in this text does not mean singing a new, newer song, right? What is a new song in the Bible? What is a new song? A new song, uh, in fact, I, I, my v- favorite definition, in fact, the new song is found in the Bible nine times. Uh, if, you want me, uh, if you want me to, I can give you the references later. But one of the references is Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Those of you who uh, been around for a while, you probably know this very well. Uh, Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And what does the next verse say? And He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So the Bible tells us in this, cha- in this verse that the new song that it's talking, talking about here is a song of praise to God for salvation. Amen. For pulling us out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and setting our feet upon a rock. Amen. I don't know who you are this evening. I, I, I've, I've only been at this church one time, and it was a very long time ago. And so I don't know you. I don't know if you've been, uh, if you are with the Lord, if you don't know Christ. But let me tell you what, if you are outside of Christ, if you've never turned to Christ and believed in Him, and, and receive forgiveness of your sins, you are in a horrible pit. Your feet are stuck in the miry clay. You are singing a song, but it is not the joyous song of praise for salvation. You are looking for uh, fulfillment in your life that you will never find outside of Jesus Christ. God has created you to worship Him. As as the brother already talked about. And, and, And you will only know Peace by knowing God. The Bible tells us that God so loved you that He came to this world. God became a man, lived and then died for sinners, taking their penalty on Himself on the cross. But praise the Lord, He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose uh, from the dead, showing that He is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That is the gospel. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. So God's not discriminate. God is here to save people from Papua New Guinea, from Argentina, from Mexico, from Ukraine, from all around the world, as we're going to see here. So if you're outside of Christ, turn to Christ today. Come to Christ today. Receive forgiveness and an acceptance into Christ's family. Get this new song. Only then will you understand what Christians are talking about this evening. Revelation 5.9 says, And they sung a new song. Who's the they there? Those are the redeemed in heaven. They sung a new song. And here's the words of that new song. Saying, Thou art worthy. Who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. This is a new song. Now that song is over 2,000 years old, but it's still a new song because it's praising God for His salvation. Amen? 
So a new song, a new song. In fact, if we were to look at many other texts talking about a new song, we would see that a new song is a song that is for all redeemed people of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Verse number one says, Oh, sing unto the Lord all the earth a new song. God's desire is not just for people in Lake Worth, Texas to sing this new song. God's desire is for people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation to be able to sing this new song of God's praise. Praise to God for His wonderful salvation. So it's a song for all people of all nations, all redeemed people of all nations. It's a song that glorifies God for His mighty works. The chiefest of those works being the salvation salvation of rebel sinners through Jesus Christ. It is sung, it can be sung in the congregation of saints, but it also can be used as an evangelistic tool to acquaint others with God's love and majesty and mercy and his salvation. So number one, God's desire is that all the earth sings this new song. So how do you glorify God? You can come to church and you can sing a new song. You can be at home and you can sing a new song. You can be out and about and you can sing a new song. That glorifies God. Number two, verse number two says, Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Now, what in the world does it mean to bless God's name? Now, I don't believe that this, this verse is talking about that we need to uh, uh, do archaeological digs to try to find out if it's, you know, there's a debate whether it's Jehovah or Yahweh or, or it's uh, Elohim or, or whatever, and we need to make sure we pronounce it the exact way that the, the Hebrews pronounced it back in Jesus' time. Or, or I don't think that's, you know, I, I, it's interesting, you know, Brother, Brother uh, Martin probably understands this, other missionaries. Um, uh, when, I, when I talk to people, they ask me what my name is in, in Russia and Ukraine. I tell them Daniel, right? Not Daniel. I say Daniel. Because when they say my name, they mess it all up, right? Because they have a different language. They have a different way they say things, right? And so I, I do their version of my name, right? So uh, the main thing is I understand they're talking to me, right? And so I don't think God is so concerned about us trying to find out and pronounce his name exactly right and everything. What is God talking about here when it says bless his name? His, his name is his identity, his name is who he is, his characteristics, right? When I think of Brother Hudson, I don't think of the, the, you know, a white piece of paper with the letters written Wayne Hudson, right? I think of a person. I think of his, how he looks. I think of a big, tall Texican, right? That's who I think of, right? I think of a tall Texican that can preach really good and God is using uh, uh, because of his faithful ministry, right? And so I think of the identity. I think of his characteristics. I don't think of, of, of words, letters, Right? And so to bless God's name means to exalt Him and to praise Him for who He is and what He has done. Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 6 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, continuously. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. And then here's my favorite verse in that, in that whole chapter. This poor man cried. I always point to myself, right? This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his his troubles. We are to bless 
God's name continuously. We are to continuously exalt Him and to praise Him for His wonderful works, the wonderful things that He has done for us. When we do that, we glorify God. We are doing what God created us to do. Praise should always be proportionate to its object. Therefore, let it be infinite when rendered unto the Lord. We cannot praise Him too much, too often, too zealously, too carefully, or too joyfully. So let me give you an example. We had wonderful uh, um, lasagna this, this evening, right? And, and it would be right to give whoever made that, I don't know who made it, but to give whoever made that praise for what they did. Right? Thank you. That was very good. It filled my belly. It was tasted wonderful. Uh, so anyways, I was going to say something else, but um, <clears throat> thank you very much for that lasagna. And it'd be very, very, very appropriate for me to go up to whoever that was and say, thank you so much for that lasagna. It was very good. But I think you and I would agree that it would be a little too much if I fell down at their feet and I said, that was the most amazing lasagna I've ever had in my whole life. If, if only the whole world could take part and to, to taste just a little morsel of that lasagna. I ran out into the streets and I said, Oh, come and see that the lasagna, taste and see the lasagna is good. I think, I think that would be a little much, don't you think? But I tell you what, you cannot outpraise God. God is worthy of all praise. Amen? Amen. The third way, it says, show forth His salvation from day to day. So we are to continually bless His name, and we are to continually show forth God's salvation. That's the third way we can glorify Him. How can we show forth His salvation? We can show forth a new life, a new creation in Christ Jesus. We can show people what God has done in our lives since He has saved us. We can talk about what God did whenever He saved us. We can show them a transformed life. This is how we can show forth His salvation from day to day. Verse number 3 says, Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. People. That's the fourth way we can glorify God is by declaring His glory among the heathen and His wonderful works among all people. God desires that His people declare His wonderful works to those that don't know Him. Who are the heathen? They are those that don't know Christ. All people, right? So we are not to be discriminate in, the, in who we uh, declare God's wonderful works to. We're not going to say, well, that, uh, that person's too far gone, or, or that one's not the elect, or this one, you know. Anyways, we're not, we're not to be discriminate. God's desire is for us to indiscriminately, to all people, declare His salvation and His wonderful works among all people. The saving work of a loving God and His humiliation for rebel sinners. What does that do? That glorifies Him. And so His works, His salvation, they show us how amazing, how wonderful, how awesome, how merciful, how much, how long-suffering our God is. And our job is to declare God's glory among those that don't know Him. 
God's will is not for Christians to separate themselves into isolated communities and segregate themselves from the outside world. God's desire is for His people and His churches to be in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, shining as lights, being salt to this dark and evil world. If a light is hid under a bushel or under a bed, what good is it, right? So it is with a Christian who does not declare God's glory among the heathen, His works among all people. Notice the word declare is an imperative. He doesn't say, you know, I've got a suggestion for you. It would be a good idea if you would start... No. He says declare, right? It's a, it's a command, right? He commands us to declare His glory among those that don't know Him. So if we're not doing it, we're not listening to the commands of our Savior. Verse, verse number 7 and 8, we see uh, 5 and 6. Uh, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Verse number 8 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Now think about this. It says, Give unto the Lord glory and strength in verse number 7. And verse number 8 it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. That's number 5 and 6 of how we can glorify God. But think about this. Usually when we think of giving something to someone, we think of this person does not have it, and we are giving it to him. Now they have it. So, for example, I see a program here. I just imagine Brother Rowley, poor guy, he didn't get a program. And I've got one, right? And I, I give him a, a program. Now, he's, now he has a program. So I'm giving him something that he doesn't have. So obviously this is talking about that God is not glorious. God needs glory from us, and we must give him glory. Is that what this is talking about? I tell you what, if God needs glory from me, that's a pretty weak God. It's a pretty pathetic God. And He's not going to get much glory if He's going to get it from me, right? What does it mean to give God glory? It doesn't mean that God is lacking in glory or God needs to get glory from us. What that means is it means to ascribe unto the Lord glory, right? We are saying that God, to give the Lord glory, means to ascribe to Him glory. We're saying God is glorious. God is wonderful. God is awesome. God is loving. That's how we give to the Lord glory. And we give to Him strength. It's not like He needs strength from us. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord. <laughs> we are ascribing to Him strength. He is the Almighty One, the All-Powerful One. We are saying that God is glorious and God is powerful. And it says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. How much glory does God do? I tell you what, if we would glorify God every minute of our waking lives, every second, we would not out-glorify Him. Don't worry about Spending your life glorifying God that it will be, you know, something, a pursuit in, in, in uh, futility or a wasted life. It is the most fulfilling life. It is the most joyous life that you have. Living and serving God, striving to give Him the glory. Now, a lot of times we got to fight ourselves because a lot of times we want to get some of that glory. Right? We've got to get ourselves out of the way. But thank the Lord. Uh, uh, our job is to give the Lord the glory due unto His name. He is due all glory. Let us give Him glory. The glory that He deserves. Verse number 8. It says, bring an offering and come into His courts. The seventh way we can glorify God is by bringing an offering. Right? Bringing an offering in the church. Right? So, uh, uh, come into His courts. It's talking about... 
Come to church, right? Come into ch- uh, church. As you attend church faithfully in your local church and serving the Lord through your local church, you're glorifying God. When you bring an offering, you are glorifying God. Now, God does not desire bloody offerings anymore. Thank the Lord. Because the once and for all sacrifice, the pure and spotless blood of the perfect lamb was already slain. And now God does not require any more blood. He does not require any more sacrifice. Because when Jesus was on the cross, what's the last word he, last words he said? It is finished. It's all done. No more offerings. No more blood. No more sacrifices. The offerings that we give are non-bloody sacrifices out of the wealth that God has entrusted us. And when we take part of the, the, great, the great things that God has given us and we give them back to the Lord, give them back through our local church, that glorifies God. Verse number 9. The eighth way, it says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now think about this. I've been in uh, many different countries and I've seen many different cathedrals, beautiful, beautiful cathedrals, golden, uh, everything. everything. We were were able to go to the Vatican one time. And in the Vatican, there's supposedly the most beautiful Catholic uh, cathedral ever built. Uh, They built it in what they called the Counter-Reformation. They were trying to, to show the Protestants that were leaving the Catholic Church that really we have all power, we have all beauty, we have all authority. You need to come back, right? And so that was that. that the church was built. The church, the the building, whatever that thing's called, was was built at that time to try to woo people back into the Catholic Church. And it's very beautiful. It's very illustrious. It's very grand. But and and the people that serve there, they have gold encrusted everything and and uh, very elaborate clothing and hats, really weird hats, things like that. But that is not the beauty that God desires. The beauty that God desires is not stained glass windows, is not wonderful cathedrals. The beauty that God desires is holiness. Come to God desiring to be new. Come to God desiring to put to death the old man and live in a way that would bring honor and glory to to God. When you try, when you strive to live in a way that would bring honor and glory to God, live and and set your mind on things uh, in heaven, not on things on the earth, and you're putting down that old man and you're renewing yourself day by day, you know what you're doing? You're living in the beauty of holiness and you're glorifying God. Be holy as I am holy. And when we strive to do that, we glorify God. Verse number 9 says, fear Him. Verse number 9 says, fear before Him all the earth. Now, there are many different types of fear. In fact, I believe that the fear of the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Is it not? The fear of the Lord is what brings us to salvation. I don't believe that anyone can get saved without having the fear of the Lord. Without uh, being uh, scared, you could say. That, that there is a righteous and holy God that I have offended that, that because of my wicked deeds. And, and if I get what I deserve, I'm going to hell. Right. But I believe that that fear changes. It grows up as we grow up in the Lord. And that fear turns more into an awe a reverence, a respect. Think about standing in front of, if you've ever been to a mountain, I know there are not a lot of mountains in Texas, right? But if you've ever been to a place where there's a lot of mountains, you stood in front of a 
big, beautiful mountain, or you stood in front of maybe the ocean, or stood in front of, I don't know, maybe big, huge towers in New York City, or something like that. And you just feel so small in the face of something so grand. And, and that's exactly what a Christian does. And we say, who am I, right? When, when, the, when the, the David says in the Psalms, when I look at the stars, the, the work of your hands, and I say, who am I that you would even think of me, right? And so we realize how amazing, how powerful, how magnificent our God is. And we realize how small and insignificant we are. And we have just this awe, this respect uh, towards our God. And that when we fear God, when we live a life as we realize that God has created us for, for new things, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He's given us a ministry and we live our lives before the Lord in a way striving to please Him. And we're living that life of fear, reverence, awe, respect towards our Lord. That glorifies Him. Another thing, last thing we're going to look at is verse number 10. It says, Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. I think that Christians should constantly, I believe that the Bible teaches here, that the Christians should constantly seek ways to, to declare to the world, to those that are not saved, that God is on the throne. You know, so many people are worried about what's going to happen. You know, is there going to be a nuclear catastrophe in Europe? Is there going to be World War III coming up soon? Uh, is, uh, what's going to happen with the gas prices? What's going to happen with the upcoming election? And, and you know what you say? How, you know how you can fulfill what verse number 10 says? You know what? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You, you, you guys know the catchphrase. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow, right? I know who's on the throne. I know who reigns. I know who's working out all things according to His, his will and His purpose, right? I know that God has a plan for whatever He's allowing to happen right now. And He is on the throne. And He is King of kings. And He is Lord of lords. And I will trust Him no matter what happens, right? When we do that, you know what we do? We glorify God. And then the last three verses, we see that we are focused here on the second coming of Christ. Last three verses, read with me, them with me. It says, Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful, and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. So like all of creation is rejoicing. Why? Because the Lord is coming again. Jesus is coming soon. Verse number 13 says, Before the Lord, for He cometh. In modern English, He's coming. He's already started, right? He's, he's in the process of coming. He comes. He, though He cometh to judge the earth, He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with, and I love this, His truth. You know, there's so many people today, they teach that truth is relative, right? You know, he's got his truth and she's got her truth and she wants to be a he. And that's, that's okay because that's their truth. And he wants to be a she and, and they want to live together in a polyamorous relationship of all these people together. And that's okay. That's their truth. And, and you know, the, the Hindus have their truth and the Christians have their truth and Muslims have their... Uh, truth is relative. But the Bible says that truth is his. Amen. Truth is God's. Right? It's not our job to try to decide what your truth is and what my truth is and what his truth is. Our job is to find out what his truth is. And when we line up our truth with, with his truth, then, then our truth is truth, right? And so our, our job should be to find out what his truth is and line up our thinking with his thinking. And then we'll have the right 
thinking, not stinking thinking, right? So here we see the Lord is coming, and He's coming very soon. And let that motivate us to, to utilize everything that God has given us, these time, this ta- these talents, and the treasures that God has given us to, for His honor and for His glory. He's coming very soon. We will not, He's talking about judgment. He's coming in judgment. You will not find true peace and you'll not find true uh, justice here on this earth while we're looking at corrupt judges that can be bought and influenced by many different ways. But there is a just judge that is coming very soon. And he is going to restore justice here on this earth. He's going to restore peace here on this earth. Let Let that motivate us. To, to, to so much the more seek to glorify Him. Can I ask you, Christian, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? What drives you? What gets you out of bed? What motivates you? Can I suggest to you that if you are not living your life to the glory of God, then you are wasting your life. You're wasting your life. This does not mean that every single one of us is to be a preacher and a missionary or or evangelist or something like that. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Church is a body. Body has many different members, many different functions, right? But our job should be to seek out how we can bring honor and glory to God in our local church. Seek to to strive to to serve God in the best way that we can. I believe that many, many housewives give God more glory than even some missionaries. Because, because when you are faithfully doing what God has called you and equipped you to do, you can bring honor and glory to God. Bring honor and glory to God in how you raise your kids. Bring honor and glory to God in how you work. Bring honor and glory to God in, in how you mow the yard. Mow the yard to the glory of the Lord. Praise God in any chance you have. Every conversation, seek to insert that God is good, that God reigns, that the, 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 we are to declare God's glory to all people, to the heathen. One of the ways we can do it, we can do it, uh, uh, yes, ourselves. Uh, I think a lot of times in missions conference, we think about outsourcing all this work. You know, it's not you know, something that's hard for us to do here in the States. We'll outsource it, right? Like, like call centers, they outsourced everything to India because it's cheaper over there, right? It's just easier for us to just hire missionaries to do this work for us, right? <laughs> that's not what, you know, I think the best thing that we could do in a missions revival is just to realize that, man, I was created to glorify God. I want to glorify God with the talents and the time and the treasure that I have. And I want to give everything that I have to be used in His service. And I think if every member of this church caught that vision, the whole church and this city would be transformed by the gospel. Amen? So we can glorify God by singing a new song, by blessing His name, by showing forth His salvation from day to day, by declaring His glory among the heathen, by giving unto the Lord glory and strength and the glory due unto His name, by bringing an offering, by coming into His courts, by being holy, by fearing Him, by saying among the heathen that the Lord reigns. Did you notice a common theme there in the glorification of God? God is glorified when we evangelize. When we show forth His salvation from day to day. When we declare His glory among the heathen. When we say among the heathen that the Lord reigns. Glorify God in your life. Get those blinders back on. That's what you were created to do. Don't live your life and waste it. Live your life for the glory of the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time you've given us to come together into your house to hear your word preached. Lord, I pray that as your word was preached, Lord, I pray that you would stir up in the saints here in their hearts a desire, a consuming desire to stop wasting their life in frivolous pursuits, but to seek to glorify you in everything that they say and do. Lord, be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's glorify him. Give him glory. Trust and Obey Revival one time, and it got on. Can you trust him? Have you obeyed him? There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. There's no other way to be happy out of Jesus. When you trust him, you obey him. So the question is, have I trusted? Have I obeyed? Let's sing one more verse. Ask yourself. 
nation. Go tell the heathens, Jesus Christ is Lord. There, Daniel said there's a God in heaven that rules in the affairs of men. Thank God. All this junk going on all around us, all the problems that we face every day, but God's still in control. And he's our God. We can, we can rejoice in him. Praise Him. That was a good message, Brother Daniel. Uh, there's some good things come out of Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, if missionaries want to go to your places, you're welcome to. And I hope you'll go by and get acquainted with the missionaries at 9 o'clock in the morning. Brother Bruce is going to be kicking us off uh, for uh, the morning, we'll have lunch here at the church afterwards, and uh, it's going to be a good day. Don't miss it. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, I think, you can look at your program, but I think Brother Riley's going to preach and Brother, Brother Daniel Holmes is going to tell us about his ministry tomorrow night, so we'll reverse the issue. No, no, Brother Riley's not preaching tomorrow night. Brother Pearson from Cincinnati, Ohio, going to the inner city of Cincinnati. He'll be here tomorrow night. All right. Any other word? Boy, aren't you glad you can just worship him and praise him and glorify him and know that he is your God. Brother Harry, Harry would you just miss us, please? Brother John. Faithful people. Lord, thank you for being a faithful God and a God that is worthy of all the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take what we've heard here tonight and apply it to our hearts. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would encourage us, give us discernment for opportunities to rejoice and proclaim your goodness among the heathen. Lord, I pray that we would live as you called us to live. And Lord, I pray that we would, for each moment that you give us here on this earth, Lord, that we would seek to glorify you, Lord, we would seek to honor you. Lord, I pray that you watch over us as we go our separate ways, bring us back to the appointed time. Christ in my prayer. Amen. Uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, they wanted me to mention the breakfast in the morning. What time is that? Is it 9? Oh, Saturday. Not in the morning, but Saturday. I, I want to know about breakfast. I don't want to miss it. That, but what time is it? 9. Okay, 9 o'clock on Saturday for breakfast. You need to sign up for that in the foyer, I believe. Let's be dismissed with our chorus till the whole world knows. Till the whole world knows.